Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wa salatu wa salam ala sayyidina habibina wa Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Bismillah. Ha. First, let's repeat after me. I intend to learn and to teach, to benefit and to be benefited, to remind and to be reminded, to call to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger, وسلم, to guide and to be guided by sound proof and correct knowledge, to seek the countenance of my Lord, nearness to Him and His reward. Ameen, Ameen. We're also here by the intention to expose ourselves to the mercy of Allah, by the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would allow our hearts to be transformed, our souls to transcend. We're here by the intention to connect to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, because he's Bab al-Rahman, he is the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the door to Allah's mercy. We're here by the intention that we can be increased in beneficial knowledge that will benefit our deen. We're here by the intention that we can hold firm to the rope of Allah to stake, to take ourselves out of ghafla, out of heedlessness, to bring ourselves into the remembrance of Allah, the remembrance of the Prophet وسلم. We're here by the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make us steadfast and consistent to walk towards nur and light, to walk away from darkness, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would allow us to enter into Jannah with the Prophet Yes, make that all a part of your intention, inshallah, ya Rabbi. As uh, alhamdulillah, I want to welcome you again to uh, the prophetic narrative, which we are studying, alhamdulillah, the, com- uh, the compendium of the prophetic narrative uh, compiled by Sheikh Samir Azayil, alhamdulillah, when inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to raise her rank and elevate her. Let's recite Surah Fatiha for Sheikh Samir Azayil as a gift to her soul that it may appear on her hisab. Bismillah. Alhamdulillah, depending on, uh, you know, where you are in the world, or if you go by calculation or moon sighting, tonight is a special night, subhanAllah, whether you're in the beginning of it or at the end of it, again, subhanAllah, this is Laylatul Mubarakah, this is one of those times that subhanAllah, uh, many are either have celebrated last night or are currently celebrating tonight, or will celebrate tonight, uh, the commemoration of Isra and Mi'raj, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took his servant, says, Subhana, Subhana ladi isra bi abdihi laylin illa al masjid al haram illa al masjid al aqsa. Transcendent and perfect is the one who took his servant uh, on a who took his servant on a journey in the night from masjid al haram to masjid al aqsa, right? From Mecca to Medina. Uh, and subhanallah, uh, in, in also above that, right, that from Mecca, uh, from Mecca to Jerusalem and then Jerusalem to the heavens, subhanallah, that this is the night of the great miracle, the commemoration of the great miracle. And, you know, we talked about this a, a few classes ago 
uh, where, subhanAllah, there's so many blessings that come as a result of this particular night that, you know, not only for the Prophet وسلم, but also for us. It's something that, subhanAllah, that as a result of this miracle, uh, that we have that, that opportunity to, to commune with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the prayer. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, gave the assigned the, the umm of the Prophet وسلم, this salah. But subhanAllah, not only that, in initially started with 50 and ended with five, which means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduced the burden of, uh, you know, reduced the burden of the salah, the, the burden on the believer, yet giving him the full barakah of it. And so this is an, one of the great times that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows and demonstrates his mercy upon the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what it means to be close to him. Right? There are many incidents that because of Isra and Mi'raj, because what happens on that night journey, that we have more in-depth detail about our deen. We have more understanding even about the concept of time and how Allah's mercy and his generosity is not limited to time. That subhanAllah, when the Prophet made that journey from Mecca to Medina, right? It's, 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 it seems like in the realm of the souls or in the realm of, uh, and he went more than just body and soul, right? Because a, a dream is uh, more than just soul because a dream uh, is, is not a miracle, right? Is that he went complete, he went camel, all of him. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is transcending time in that moment. Um, and so uh, even in understanding the time that he's, as he's meeting people and he's, you know, engaged in different activities with Jibra'il alayhi salam and subhanAllah, it's that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing like he's above all of that, right? And he gives the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam this great title of the Imam al-Mursaneen when he, all of the Anbiya subhanAllah are waiting for the messenger of Allah to embrace him, right? And that's just such an honor and such a comfort after the Prophet has experienced such hardship, has experienced just, you know, the three years of boycott and then the year of sadness and, you know, repeated attacks. And subhanAllah, uh, the Prophet then after that, right? After the Anbiya being resurrected, for him and him uh, leading them in prayer, Jibra'il then takes him through the heavens where he meets Adam and uh, Isa and Yahya and then Yusuf and then Idris. Uh, and then subhanAllah, he begins to, uh, Jibra'il stops and begins to show him scenes of Jannah and Jahannam, uh, you know, where he begins to take for us secrets for which, how do we become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do we, he, he begins to recognize the qualities of the people of Jannah, of Ahlul Jannah, right? And what were the actions of the people of Ahlul Jannah, as well as identifying and being a witness uh, for what were the qualities and the actions and the speech of the people of Hellfire? What is it that earned them that level of distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore his wrath? Right. And he, he gives us those details. Uh, and not only does he meet Anbiya, but then there are other righteous people uh, that he is able to be a witness to their story, subhanAllah, and continue uh, continues up into this intimate conversation uh, at his station of Maqam and Mahmoud 
where he has the unsi with Allah, this intimacy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, by which the, the tashahud is the beginning of it, right? Where the Prophet sallam, says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, because he, 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 what do you say when you meet your Lord, right? You don't say, Assalamu alaikum. He's at tayyatu billahi wa salawatu wa tayyibat. Uh, but in some narrations that he said, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and then subhanAllah, Allah said to the Prophet that Allah addresses the Prophet in the exact manner that he mentions in the Quran, that verily Allah and the angels send salam on the Prophet and they do in that moment, uh, saying, Assalamu alayka ya ayyuhal nabi. Uh, you know, just giving him that title, right? That you are a prophet of Allah. And that, that title, but also just that affirmation, uh, you know, just that comfort, but also, you know, saying, This is your place, right? This is your station. And the Prophet ﷺ bringing us to presence in that moment and saying, oh Allah, please also my Ummah, those who believe and who follow me, subhanAllah. And the and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the angels then give a salam wa ala alihi, right? Uh, wa ala alihi, and of course, the ibadillah salihin. Now, again, we talk about this ascension, um, but part of, and we, we mentioned this before, and part of the greatness of that night is his, is his descending, right? That he not only descends to Musa, السلام, who subhanAllah is, is waiting, right? To find out what was the conversation that the Prophet had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wanted to share in that beauty. He wanted to share in that uh you know, in that conversation, he wanted to, you know, have a portion of that light when the Prophet ﷺ is descending and he has that light, you know, as a result of being, you know, uh, that the 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 one who is a Nura Samawati has shined upon the Prophet ﷺ. Musa wants to be in his company because when he ascended, Musa fell, you know, in, into sujood and wept and said, Ya Rabbi, I never knew that there was anyone that would, uh, you know, ascend higher than me. I never knew that there was anyone that would, you know, have uh, an intimate conversation with you. And so uh, even Musa, subhanAllah, is jealous of our Prophet, sallallahu uh, And there are other narrations where he even becomes jealous of the ummah of the Prophet, sallallahu because how Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, has honored them. And this is tonight, right? The commemoration of that night, is tonight and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just opened up the heavens for us for that dua to be accepted uh, for the opportunity of course to send salawat on the Prophet which is a great healing as well as a means of ascension a, a means of becoming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then getting to what I mentioned the Prophet descends and you know, it's it's literally that when we talk about that expansion and that contraction, right? Where you have those high spiritual, those super uh, high moments of spirituality, and then now it's it's back to work. It's how does this how does spirituality benefit people, right? Like to those those spiritual. Uh, you can't be so spiritually high that you're no earthly good. And so in that situation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has gifted the Prophet with all that he needs in order to be successful 
and carrying out the risala and carrying out the mission. And so it's it literally it's back to work, you know, and back to work uh, is subhanAllah preparing the Prophet for the where we are in the seerah, right? Where we are right now today, tonight in the seerah. And it's like, what's next, right? Like after after Mecca, after the pledge of Aqaba, after you know, after you've been rejected, now you've been accepted. After you've been thrown out, now you've been embraced. And that happened in the heavens, and subhanAllah, it happened on the earth where the, the Quraysh had increased their uh, attacks upon the Prophet and upon uh, the Muslims. And subhanAllah, now there is a community who have pledged with their life how they will defend, protect, provide for, care for, and be a brother and a sister to, like a means of comfort for the Prophet as well as for the believers. And so after that second pledge of Aqaba, literally within two months, that the companions that the that Mecca had become empty of the Muslims, right? That pretty much all of the Muslims had migrated except for three. Omar al-Khattab, with the Prophet وسلم, and Abu Bakr Siddiq. And so um, you know, all, everyone for the most part had departed in secret, right? Within two months, people, the, the Quraysh were overwhelmed they were overridden with their anger and subhanallah their anger would cause them uh that if they left if they found that someone had left and migrated to medina which was their great fear uh that subhanallah now they would actually if their homes were empty they literally would sell their homes they literally, subhanAllah, would overtake, you know, and occupy their homes, which meant that there would, there would be no place for them to come back to without, you know, some serious war for them to have to fight for it. It literally became like imminent domain. And we, you know, we found uh, in, in places there are Muslims who've experienced this, right? That happened, and in, interestingly enough, in Jerusalem, right, uh, in Palestine, where they would leave, subhanAllah, if they had left for uh, after, you know, after the occupation, after the, the attacks upon the Muslims, if they fled to other countries in order to seek asylum uh, for like, for example, the Palestinians who went to Lebanon, who went to Syria, uh, you know, who, who everywhere, subhanAllah, including America, that what happens is that then their homes were taken over. Right, their homes were occupied, their lands were occupied, and they would not be able to return back. And so, Subhanallah, this is something that the Prophet Sallallahu even himself uh, experiences, along with uh, the other Muslims. That as they left, in order to seek, you know, safety as well as just how can they continue to live their life, Subhanallah, this is something that they could, uh, you know that they could count, that this is what was happening. This is some of the, the response. And not all of them were actually able to escape. Uh, those, there were some that the Quraysh literally imprisoned, right? And would just attack, right? Just be, um, vicious attacks upon them on a regular basis, even for their for their desire to, you know, to for their desire uh, to escape, to rush to, Medina. Basically, the Quraysh were not just angry, but they were scared. 
because now the Muslims have increased and they are pro they come from prominent families. Some of them come from uh, the poor families, yes, but also some of them come from prominent families. And so, you know, in those same three years, no one does you know, a boycott also, except, you know, when you're boycotting, especially people of goodness, except that it will also harm you as well. And so, subhanAllah, inside of that, uh, you know, that they also experience the economic downturn, right, of the Muslims not having their businesses, the Muslims, that Muslim community also not purchasing and buying from them. They also felt that. And so now, subhanAllah, it's like, okay, if they're going to leave uh, permanently, it also meant that they're gaining ground, right? It also means that they're gaining political strength and they are, uh, they're mobilizing, that the Muslims are mobilizing and that they have found someone who will support them. And so that meant, of course, that's a huge threat at that time to Mecca. Right. And uh, and so they don't take it lightly. And they felt that in order to uh, recover from some of that loss, then they claimed the homes and the property of the Muslims who migrated. Subhanallah, that literally like this kind this claim of imminent domain. Right. This kind literally uh, literal occupation. Subhanallah. And so when the, the believers who left, you know, the Muhajirin, they're given this title, the Muhajirin and the Ansar. And the Ansar are those of Yathrib who, uh, who had, you know, promised and who welcomed the Muhajirin, who welcomed those who had migrated and literally took them into their homes. And we have countless stories, countless beautiful stories about how the Ansar, you know, shared everything they had right with the with the early muslims who had migrated from medina even to the point uh you know i i mentioned the story about that they would turn the lights down at night during when it was time for dinner and they would serve the food and they would let the muhajirin take their share while they would be pretending to eat right eating less and but making it not noticeable in order so the muhajirin could be could eat comfortable and be safe. Subhanallah, the this is building the ties of brotherhood, right? The ties of brotherhood and sisterhood and the ties of community that begin to bind their hearts. And so, uh, you know, as that begin to bind their hearts together, building, of course, trust for each other and love for each other and respect for each other, uh, they would, you know, even the Prophet them had begin to implement in place already, asking those who were in positions of business to help the Muhajirin, uh, you know, in that, uh, to help the Muhajirin establish themselves, right, with business and to establish themselves uh, as much as they could to regain their dignity and to regain uh, their livelihood and to regain their lives in, in Medina. And subhanAllah, again, initially, the first who migrated did so in secret, except Omar ibn Khattab, that Omar ibn Khattab, uh, different than the others, uh, did not migrate in secret. As a matter of fact, he went to the Kaaba and he made seven tawaf around the Kaaba. And then he gathered his sword and his belongings and he stood at uh, he stood on a hill 
where he could be seen visibly by the people. And he made an announcement. I, he literally was like, I am about to migrate to Medina. Like I am leaving Mecca and I am on my way to join the community of believers, the community of Muslims in Medina. If anyone wishes to leave their wives as widows and their children as orphans, follow me, right? Come after me. That was the, the strength and the position of Omar ibn Khattab, that he would not migrate in secret. He's going to make it known. And that was a challenge, subhanAllah. And at, in, uh, initially, no one approached him, right? Because this is Omar ibn Khattab. And if Omar is, is bold enough to say it in this manner, they knew he meant exactly what he said, right? That if, if that's if you if you want to die today, come follow me. Hey, this level of subhanallah of shuja, this level of courage, like which also begin to that you're going to deal with him a little bit differently. Right. And so subhanallah, when Omar uh, went around the hill to get to mount his riding animal and to go on his journey, he actually found someone there and, and thought, mistakenly thought that he, you know, had come to challenge him. And Omar subhanallah overcame this man. Right. And subhanallah, later on, they were like, Omar, he was just there. Right, he was just there. He wasn't. Uh, they didn't. <laughs> like he wasn't intending to challenge you. He just he just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Omar ibn Khattab said, like he should have known that. Right, he should have known. I made it. No, I made an announcement. Right, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Omar ibn Khattab just wanted to make it known that. That was the position that he would take if there were any who tried to prevent them from this migration. And, and this migration is a huge deal because migration, hijrah, uh, there are two types of migration. There is in the Prophet, he would you know, be the one who would constantly explain to the muhajireen about the concept of hijrah. Like, yes, there is the migration from mm -hmm. Mecca to Medina, right? Which means that even in that, that I'm leaving my home and my location for another home in another location, which has its uh, deep, you know, sacrifice to begin with. Because you're leaving it, you're saying, I'm leaving it for something. There's a reason that I'm leaving it for. And that higher reality of the reason that one would be making this hijrah, making that migration, leaving their home just from one place to another, is that they're not leaving just for economic reasons. Like, oh, I got a better job in another place. So I'm going to that better job, or even for education, or even subhanAllah, the Prophet warned even against in terms of for marriage, right? But that the higher migration that ultimately I'm doing this for Allah and his messenger. That I'm that to the Prophet said the greatest migration, of course, is to move for the sake of Allah, is to migrate for the sake of Allah and his messenger, which means to also Right, the migration in one's heart and one's soul to move away from sin and transgression toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, towards obedience and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so even inside of this, uh, the stance of the muhajireen 
was about, I'm leaving everything that I know and what was beloved to them. And Mecca was beloved to them. Uh -huh. And we're saying, I'm leaving everything that I know uh, in order to take on, you know, this new place. And it, it wasn't easy. The migration itself wasn't easy. The arrival wasn't easy. There's a, there was a loss of independence, right? To now this kind of interdependence. There's this, you know, feeling of like, yes, we have our own individual family and clan, but to leave uh, even that, you know, that support or comfort of one's clan and one's tribe, which is completely the way they grew up, which is their total social and cultural reality, to say that I turn away from that protection, right? I turn to, toward the protection of Allah and the believers, right? That's huge. They are choosing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and deen and Islam over even their cultural and tribal ties, right? Like it has benefit. But as long as it is not going to compromise my deen, and if it's going to compromise my deen, I trade it in. I, I trade it in for my deen. And this was, subhanAllah, the greatest demonstration of that. And in the beginning, the migration was not easy. They were tested. The Muslims, subhanAllah, again, were tested. As I said, they had been, they were tested economically. They were, they were tested with the loss of their property, the loss of their independence. They were tested mm -hmm. also, the weather was very different, right? The weather in Medina was very different than it was in Mecca. They kind of felt like they enjoyed, you know, a greater sunshine and, um, you know, uh, you know, like the the night, the days are, are very hot and the nights are just a little bit cool. But in Medina, the weather was different to the point that many of the Muhajirin in the beginning got sick, right? And they they say it was it was chilly, and they would complain to the Messenger of Allah about the climate in Medina. Subhanallah. Uh -uh. You know, I can think about once I moved from uh, a more southern state to a northern state. And you know, you're I'm I'm from originally from Florida. So that sunshine, you know, and, and just the the weather of the South, of course, is very different than if you move to New York and it's snowing and the winter is is, you know, is brutal. Well, I consider where you're just having to even all the way I couldn't I couldn't understand that there would be snow on the ground in March. It's like that's just not a thing, having come originally from a southern state. And so these are some of the things that subhanAllah, uh, the Muhajirin are experiencing. Like the weather is different. Many of them became sick in those beginning months. The food is different, right? The food is different and the culture is different because Mecca is a more business-based society, more about trade, import, export, uh, you know, the, as opposed to Medina is an agriculturally based society, an agrarian society, and they have different cultures. And even in the way that, of course, a, a culture that is more, uh, that deals more with, again, with like, you know, planting and farming and, and things like that, as opposed to one that deals with business. You know, there's that sense of like, this is, this is just country, or this is just, you know, this is lesser advanced. Right? It's, it's like moving from Chicago, right, or New York City to, uh, you know, feeling like, okay, I moved to Texas or I moved to, you know, um, Louisiana, because it's different. You're talking about a very different society. Um, and, you know, also the 
the gender-based relations were different, right? Gender relations were very different inside of Medina than they were inside of Mecca. Because in an agriculturally based society, in an agrarian society, that, you know, men and women work side by side with each other. And so therefore, they have a different relationship. They don't have that same relationship of hierarchy. It doesn't, they respect each other, right? There is a respect for you are a man and there's a respect for you are a woman, but we're working side by side uh, in, in meeting our most basic needs as opposed to, you know, there's a, there's a very clear division of labor that's inside of Mecca that, you know, inside of Mecca, that division of labor says that this is, and, they, and someone defines their manhood based upon this is what I do. Right. And they defined you as a woman based upon this is what you do. And that in many cases inside of the Meccan society, those two things did not cross over uh, often. Right. And so, subhanAllah, that when the Prophet وسلم, he when he would get reports back from Medina or when he first arrived in Medina, these are the things that the companions used to complain on a regular basis to our beloved Nabi Muhammad وسلم, about. Like, the, these women are outspoken, Ya Rasulullah, right? These women are outspoken. Uh, the way that they, they handle things is different. Just everything about it is different. That this is a complete change. Now they're, they're outside of their comfort zone. And this, subhanAllah, is one of the tests, the greatest test of Iman. I, and not just of, of the, in terms of just coming out of your comfort zone, but also this sense of like loss. One of the greatest questions that the muhajireen are asked, you know, internally is about, do I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based upon what he gives me, right? Like if I'm used to being at a certain level in society, I'm used to having certain things, I'm used to being treated a certain way or that, oh, Allah is my, is my relationship with you based upon how I how I interact right on this level and do I sever the ties of my relationship with you when this changes right when this landscape changes if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to take everything away from me right my social status my home I my culture everything that I know how how do I then keep showing up to Allah? Right? How do I how do I recognize myself? How do I how do I recognize myself in this faith? And am I comfortable becoming to become a new person? Am I comfortable to for this transformation to occur? Am I comfortable in the in the changes that I have to make, even in turn, not just in character or in manners, but also, you know, it's different when you're moving about in your own house as opposed to you're you're now in someone else's home, that you're a guest in someone else's home. That became very challenging. Uh, and and of course that can affect someone's iman. Like when I became a Muslim, that these are some of the changes that have happened. I'm not necessarily made, you know, I'm more comfortable in my life before now, right? Before the advent of Islam, I'm more comfortable in my life. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing about a deep sense of humility amongst the muhajireen. Because Mecca is king. 
right, in this region. Mecca is king. And so, you know, this is a deep humility that the Muhajirin are just undergoing lessons of, of softening of their hearts, less, you know, lessons on how to have true tawakul trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lessons for how to allow, to allow Allah to transform you into the type of being that he wants you to be. That we have certain intentions for ourselves, but then to say, oh Allah, let me be who you created me to be. I'm gonna allow you to mold and to shape me into a servant of yours. And so this subhanAllah was, was exactly what many of the uh, Sahaba were facing in terms of that, that challenge, subhanAllah. Yeah. But when we look at the Abu Bakr Siddiq who is just, he's uncomfortable in a different way, right? That Abu Bakr Siddiq is, is he, the harshness that is experienced, that Mecca has changed, right? That the kind of relationships that they have before, you know, it's changed. Before it was, they were brothers upon these tribal lines, but now faith, Faith reigns supreme, and because Iman reigns supreme, that Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala, he just, he's like, I, I just can't take it, Ya Rasulullah. Oh, Messenger of Allah, give me permission to migrate. Right? And the Prophet, everyone else has migrated. Right? And this is the second time that Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala, initially the Prophet gives him permission, you know, before. But subhanAllah, he ends up having to come back. And this time the Prophet you know, just delays him directly and tells him, just wait. Oh, Abu Bakr, just wait. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, perhaps you may have a good companion on your journey. Right? Just, just hold tight, yeah, Abu Bakr. And so Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala and listens to the Messenger of Allah wasalam, and subhanAllah begins to hold tight and has a very uh you know, important role in what happens next. We have to cover that next week, inshallah. Uh, but he has a very important role in terms of uh, when it, when um, is a very important role, of course, in the migration of the Habibullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the migration of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family, not only him, but his family uh, plays a key role in because those who have been, you know, attacked, and who have been assassinated or in some cases imprisoned as a result of their migration, that the that they're planning, they begin to actually plot and plan on the Messenger of Allah والسلام, uh, when they, you know, realize that he's also going to migrate. The Quraysh come together in secret and like, okay, we this is this is it. Right, because it also it, it seemed as if okay, if they've all left, that this would leave the Prophet وسلم, in a vulnerable position, and so they begin to plot and to plan for how they were going to, uh, you know, kill the Messenger of Allah like this, like okay, this is our chance, and Abu Bakr Siddiq as well as his family plays a very very important role. Uh, in protecting the life of the Prophet وسلم, and making sure that that migration goes smoothly, right? Uh, inshallah, we'll cover, we'll, we'll stop there and leave it uh, for the next section. Uh, I want to leave on this though, you know, those, those um, who, the, who were harmed, right? Who were directly harmed 
and who were imprisoned that the Prophet ﷺ, when he did migrate to Medina, uh, he would literally begin to make, when he would make the kunut, he would make a dua and salatul isha, right? Uh, literally calling on, uh, mentioning them by name to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free them from their captors, captures, and to free them uh, from those who were, you know, to keep them safe from harm and to grant them the ability to migrate. I, that, subhanAllah, really uh, powerful because what we begin to see is that Kanut, right, happening at Isha, we see that as something that this is new, but in addition to that, the Prophet ﷺ is actually calling upon the believers by their name and addressing their condition. And collectively, of course, the Muslims are, are, are saying, Ameen. And so, alhamdulillah, uh, this at least completes the first section, the beginning of the migration. And next week, inshallah, we'll get to the hijrah of the Prophet So, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalam na sayyidina habibina munan muhammad. Wanani wa sahbihi wa sallam. Oh Allah, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to learn about your beloved messenger of Allah, we thank you for having the details of his life compiled. We thank you so much, Ya Rabbi, for Sheikh Samira Azayed and her sacrifice and her hard work and those who translated the text, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, we thank you for this chance for us to be able to come together in community, in suhba, and to, to learn together to support each other. O oh Allah, we thank you for the ta'alif and those who are working with ta'alif, its volunteers, and those who are just serving in the community to give us access to our deen. We ask that you please, O oh Allah, send your highest blessings upon Ta'lif as an organization and upon those who are serving the community and who are working hard in order to provide people access to their deen, access to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Oh Allah, we ask that you please reward them with exactly which they seek. And that is, Ya Rabbi, to, for the, those who are participating to have a great love for you, a connection to you that doesn't break, that they follow this, the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh Allah, we thank you for just this opportunity to learn and to study. We ask that you please increase us in knowledge, Ya Rahman Rahimin. Increase us in knowledge that transforms our heart. We ask that Ya Nur Samawati illuminate our hearts with a light from your light, Ya Rabbi. Place in front of us a light, behind us a light, to our right a light, to our left a light, above us and be below us, deep within us, Ya Rabbi. Grant us a light, Ya Rahman Rahimin, that illuminates our path and makes our path toward you clear, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi, we ask that you please do not leave us alone even for the blink of an eye. Allah, we ask that you please embrace us with your comfort and your love, Ya Al-Wudud, Ya Latif. We ask that you please be gentle with us and that you guide us along this path with your gentleness, Ya Rabbi. Oh Allah, we ask that you please forgive us and pardon us for our sins and our mistakes and our transgressions, that you will number us amongst those that you allow to live and die on that allow us to be amongst those who enter into Jannah with our parents, our children, our lineage, those whom we love. We ask that you please, O oh Allah, send your peace and blessings upon our beloved Muhammad. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. 
Sign up today at www.tetleafcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.